Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. What's your favorite thing about Thanksgiving? The food. Which food in particular? Um, okay. A really a combination of food. So turkey, I like both the meats. Mashed potatoes, specifically the kind of mashed potatoes my mom makes, which is red skin potatoes with cream and rosemary and garlic in them. Nice. Oh, so Skin good. on, skin off. Skin on. That's exactly yep. how you do it in our house, too. <laughs> uh, stuffing, rolls, just like really all the things, and you just mash it together all in one. Uh, I think we've discussed my deep, dark secret of that. I like green bean casserole before. I love green bean casserole. R.I.P. Dorcas. Yep. Let's pour one out for Dorcas. <sighs> She yep. was a fucking legend be, of her time. I'll be thinking of her. Yeah, just mush it all together. Put it like make a roll sandwich where you just have all the like the mashed potatoes or the glue, and right. you just like put everything in there, and you put it in your mouth, and Sensible. it's so good. And then you transition to dessert with your sweet potato casserole, and then you have pie, yeah. pumpkin pie. What's not to love? So for me, if I ate nothing but a fuck ton of mashed potatoes, Thanksgiving would still be fine. <laughs> Like, I, yep. Mm-hmm. My mom would make a thing of mashed potatoes in like a mixing bowl. Like, you know, the bowl, everybody, all right, this is maybe my white trash showing up, but there's like a bowl that everybody has that like it, you make like big batches of cookies in it, mm-hmm. or it's the bowl that you puke in if you're sick. Like, I was literally going to say that. It's we like, have, this, it's we the have same that bowl. bowl. <laughs> it's yellow. Yes. It's big. You put it's popcorn in it. You make cookies in yes, it. Yep. That it's is Tupperware. Exactly the bowl. You puke in it. You puke it's in it when you're like sick. What else are you going to do? Approximately hug sized. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You you mm-hmm. exactly understand what I'm talking about. That or it's it. The other one that we have is white plastic with red poinsettias around the edge. Oh, <laughs> it's fancy. a Christmas popcorn puke bowl. <laughs> In case two people were sick in the house at once. Yeah. Somebody gets the alpha puke bowl and somebody gets the omega (laughs) or the beta. I don't know. I don't know Latin. Uh, Yeah. So uh, my mom would make an enormous thing of mashed potatoes for everybody on the understanding that a fourth of those potatoes were mine. (laughs) There are eight people in the family at dinner. One fourth of them potatoes is Kate's. Don't touch. <laughs> I my other favorite food is turkey skin specifically. <laughs> oh my god, Kate! <laughs> and then uh, I get that though. That's where all the seasoning is. Yeah, I'm not turkey meat is fine, whatever. But turkey skin, now that is a treat. And mm-hmm. the green bean casserole, but I'm the only one yep. who likes it. It's it's like satisfying. It's like it the is. consistency of snot, but like in a very satisfying way. You know what? It's kind of salty like snot is too. I like it. And it's I don't just know. got like the little crunch in it with the little crunchy onions. I love them, which are yep. also fantastic if you ever like put them on a sandwich. You can use those for more than just green bean casserole. I'm just saying. I I don't think they exist outside of Thanksgiving food. <laughs> So. I have some in my house right now. I snack oh. on them if I'm hungry and I don't want to find other food. I'll just like have a small handful of French onions. They're basically Funyuns yeah, at that point, right? Exactly. And I used to do <laughs> drugs, so me and Funyuns <laughs> go way back. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So Thanksgiving's coming up. It is aggressively Christmas at my museum. Uh, it yeah. is full on. The tree is up. The angels are out. 
We do two months of Christmas and I hate it. Let's transition. (laughs) Uh, So Jen, I just got back from fucking Seattle. Oh my God. Yes. How was it? Oh my God. It was so great. Uh, You got to see people, right? Yes. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Dan. Hello, Libby. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you. But next time, because I'm coming back. Seattle was fucking amazing. Mm, I want to go there. Dude, you do want to go there. Seattle is the tits. All the food was amazing. The people, I didn't meet a single nasty person. Everybody was funny. There was weed smoke everywhere. Mm, Beautiful. Jeff. Yes? Ashley took me to a haunted Irish bar. Oh, that used wow. to be a what? crematorium <gasps> that has a whole wall dedicated to the Titanic. Jesus, it's like everything I've ever wanted. Yeah, I felt your presence in, in that life. place. Okay. <laughs> everything. Like, <laughs> I feel Jen in this place. Jen should be here. I actually took a picture <laughs> of all the Titanic stuff and I was going to send it to you, but I haven't yet. So. Oh, um, okay. You've been fucking holding out on me. Yeah, That's fine. It's not my fault I'm an asshole. And it's That's also fine. not like you didn't know. Whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, the fucking best. I, it, top. I think. Gosh, do I love it more than New Orleans now? God almighty, I might. I might. Mm. Uh, Capitol Hill was fantastic. My friend got married at the Seattle Aquarium. We got to watch Mm -hmm. them feed otters. Do you know how big otters are? They're like bigger than a bread loaf, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was picturing something like (laughs) adorable bread loaf sized. Psych, sea otters are the size of Labradors. Shit, man. Yeah, they're big-ass fucking critters. Also, their seagulls are significantly bigger than Great Lakes seagulls. Like, yeah, it's because they're on the sea. I Yeah, right? That salty air be making everybody ginormous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so their seagulls are the size of a flying corgi. Jesus. <laughs> there was one eating out of a dumpster next to my swank-ass hotel. I stayed at a real schmancy hotel. Well, still had a seagull eating out of a dumpster. I mean, so it's still America. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really so this for. seagull, I look at it and I was like, what the fuck, seagull? It it seriously was like knee high. It Secretly was a raven. <laughs> right? Just fucking huge. Uh, nobody cares about how big seagulls are. Dark wings, dark <laughs> words. Dark wing duck. Sorry. Uh, I loved that wow. show. That wow. show contributed greatly to me being a goth teenager. I was referencing Game of Thrones, but that's fine. Oh. What about Game of Thrones and Darkwing Duck? Dark wings, dark words. Oh. Can you tell Game of Thrones hasn't been on in a year and it's no longer in my collective conscience? I'm watching it with my roommates, so it's very much present in my life. Nice. In fact, they're going to be mad if we go too long because it's going to cut into our Game of Thrones time. Oh, fucking hustle. I can't have that. All right, so what the fuck are we doing today? What the fuck show is this? This is this podcast is haunted. I'm Jen. That's Kate. There we go. So, uh, so what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? Do you want to know what I call? It? So, like when I write out my notes, a word doc, because that's the kind of person I am. I, I write out the number episode, and then I give it. You know, this is the topic. Do you want to know what topic I gave this one? Because I wasn't exactly sure what to call it. What? Lady ghosts who will cut a bitch. I love it. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today. We're we- talking about lady ghosts, some of which would cut a bitch, but more likely a man. Yeah. Yep. That is the. But that is the men theme. can be bitches. Yeah. It's fine. I know a lot of bitchy men. Yeah. So speaking of bitches, that kind of leads us right into some archetypal talk. I, one of the reasons that we picked this is because there are 
archetypes of female presences, presence, mm-hmm. presence I, I don't know. Take me through some of those archetypes, Jen. What do you got? Okay, so, well, first of all, I have to give a shout out to our good friend Patty. Patty. Keeping, it, keeping it real in Ohio because she is the one who inspired this episode. So shout out. It's just been like a real like couple years as women or, you know, just real like all of time, I guess. What I was kind of going for with this topic was like everyone has like ghost stories about specific people, like a lot of ghost stories center around like one story that happened in this one place to this one person. But there's also a lot of, and I would say primarily female archetypal ghosts that kind of pop up throughout time and the world, like geography. Like there's so many different sightings of, and they could be different ghosts, who knows, but they kind of just blend together to form these kind of tropes, I would say, of, of specters and they have omens and they... And yeah, so I think a lot of people are familiar with the lady in white, for example, and that could refer to a specific person who is seen wearing white, but I think more often it kind of is this archetypal type of ghost that shows up in a certain context. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, can you think of any? Because I have a couple examples. Uh, No, I would love to hear your examples. My brain is... I'm so tired. That's fine. So a lot of times they show up um, around stories of women dying in tragic circumstances. And maybe that's just because there's a lot of stories about women dying in tragic circumstances. But these especially are emphasize the woman's purity before death. So it's like her dying in childbirth or the night before her wedding. Like if we go all the way back to episode one, if you're like my hometown story was about uh, the glass lady, but she was, she could also probably be interpreted as a lady in white because she's often talked about in the frame of like, oh, she died the night before her wedding and she is wearing a white dress. Um, So yeah, there's, um, There's also a lot of times where she's associated with being like a harbinger of death, like as an omen of like, if you see her show up, someone in your family is about to die. Right. There's also, I I didn't find as many documentations of this, but she can also be kind of like a spurned or, you know, betrayed woman coming back to kind of haunt men in general. Yeah. Just kind of like. (laughs) Just taking one for the team. You'll also hear a lot about witches, crones. Mm -hmm. Those are the Mm -hmm. different types of, you know, we, when we see a female figure, we kind of automatically try to assume age. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, way more so than men. Right. Like when we see King Henry VIII or, or, you know, the king walked across the room, some people are picturing a guy who's like mid 40s. Somebody's Mm -hmm. picturing a guy in the 60s. but But with men, it doesn't seem to matter as much where women have very distinct patterns of their lives that Mm -hmm. also correlate to their role and responsibility in society that might speak to you know who they're haunting why they're haunting what Mm -hmm. their unfinished business is exactly Um, and we'll get into this a lot later um but yeah it does have a very kind of relational view of their role on earth and uh, most of the time that is in relation to whatever man hurt them or was, you know, like they're searching for. So right. that's that's always a good time. Interestingly, 
I found one source that was talking about how in the in the UK, women in white are often associated with buried or hidden treasure. Really? I, I know. I found that very interesting. There's a lot of like different historic castles or houses where um, there's supposedly hidden treasure or like they did find hidden treasure and there are a lot of reports of seeing women in white who are standing guard over it or pointing you don't think that's some sort of like metaphor for virginity do you oh probably yeah guys if you can't tell this is there's gonna be a lot of shouting at the patriarchy today (laughs) just a reminder uh virginity isn't real there you don't yeah you can't break a hymen it's that's not that's not how any of that works i mean you can tear it but you can also have sex and not tear it right so like you that's can, not a good judge of it virginity, can also and nor should it matter itself. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 i i once had a friend my my best friend's older sister gave me like a 45 minute talking to about how i shouldn't have sex before marriage because i wouldn't give my future husband pre-chewed gum like like the value of my companionship is equivalent to that of wrigley's she didn't like that argument the the tape uh losing its stickiness is another common yeah 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 that's another good one or uh an apple with a bite taken out of it yeah fucking blow me everybody like fuck off yeah (laughs) let women have sex let women say no let women say yes chill out i i like that we're relating this to women's place in the world because my coverage certainly is, is fa- a factor of that. I'm talking today about the Banshee. Yeah. Yes. I want to like, like do a hardcore whale, but I also don't want to like yeah, blow please, out people my mic. So. Don't do it. I, I don't like loud noises. But just like imagine me shouting into the void because that would also just be super cathartic. Like I kind of, ooh, this is a fun thing that I used to, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Note, no, go ahead. I'm going to not let you tell your story. <laughs> But when I worked at when I worked at camp for a hot second, I spent one summer in the kitchen, and let me tell you, washing dishes and serving food all summer long to kids and other young adults is like not super fun. It's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. And so every Friday before our big Friday end of the week banquet, uh-huh. we would have we would go into the walk-in fridge, and we would we would each pour ourselves a glass of milk and this is not because we particularly loved milk but because milk was the most expensive beverage so we would (laughs) it was was more of a luxury thing sure yeah so we would pour ourselves a glass of milk and then we would have a a fridge scream we would all just like collectively just like yell into the void and then we drink our milk (laughs) and then we'd go serve food that sounds very bad for your throat but fun overall yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never screamed into the void. Oh my god, you've never have? It's so fun. Hmm. It's just like, I mean, I don't do it very often, but it's just, it's so cathartic to just like, especially if you can do it like into like a thing. Like uh, one of my friends here got very drunk last year and ended up down uh, by the shores of the lake <laughs> and just yelling to the lake. <laughs> and it's just, it's yep. very cathartic. I've never, I don't know, maybe just because I have no trouble expressing my my likes and dislikes. You know, I like, can do that. If you're I'm letting upset, it out, I fucking tell you about it. Exactly. You let it out as it comes. So you're not, pen, like, you don't have pent up rage. Right. Um, I, on the other hand, uh, do. I, so. You know, I guess <laughs> I do have some pent up rage, but I just take it out on people, on conservatives on Facebook. 
There you go. <laughs> Everyone has their outlet. That's, That's your me shout screaming into the into void. The void. <laughs> Just Everyone, fucking yelling share at conservatives. What, what is your shout into the void? Yeah, guys, post that in the group. We want to know what it is that you do to you burn off that rage? excess rage. Yeah. You, you know you have it. Don't tell me you don't. Some people craft. Some people yell at conservatives. So it's Speaking fine. Of crafting. Uh, shout out to Tiff who sent me the oh. most adorable f bomb <gasps> you got it it came i'll take a picture came, and i'll post it it makes me so happy and it arrived on a day that i needed a hug so Aww. it was lovely shout um, out to tiff shout out to uh, tiff she's also uh, needs our support too if you yes. uh, want to lend a hand so go check it out in the discussion group she's getting her citizenship in yes. the uk yes yes so she'll still be an american citizen but of course she's lived in england for 21 years so if anybody can like give a dollar or a kind thought, do that. There you go. All right. Anyway, so what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about banshees. So banshees are a surprisingly hard to nail down piece of folklore. I read a couple different series. Of course, they're most strongly related to Ireland. Shout out to our Irish people. Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm going to probably butcher. I purposefully avoided any Irish words in this because oh boy. That, yeah. the Irish Gaelic does not make a lick of fucking sense. Nope. So Looking at you, Siobhan. <laughs> yup. Yup. Sure, sure. <laughs> so it's not just Irish, though. She And it's not just a legend. It also is a piece of folklore and possibly even a cryptid. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's what I always think of when I think of banshees. I think of like an actual like swamp monster that's exactly. just like... Rah! Well, and so the reason that we have these different things, these different ideas, very, very, very different ideas of banshees. She also shows up in Scotland, English, and Norman verses. The term banshee dates back to the 1600s, but the accounts that might fit banshee experiences go all the way back to the 1380s wow yeah that's cool so what we can agree upon is that she's always female (laughs) that and that it's always an unearthly noise that she gives off Mm -hmm. it might be that she heralds death Um, usually she's considered a herald of death Mm -hmm. she might be the word banshee is related to the terms, the Irish Gaelic terms for burial mounds that go all over the country. Oh, okay, yeah. Her her wail is described as a keen, sometimes it's uh, an unearthly melody, sometimes it has words, sometimes it's just ululating. She's also, uh, her, her screech can be considered unearthly. Mm-hmm. So she has these characteristics where the shrieking sounds like a wild animal, but it's omnidirectional. You can't figure out where the shriek is coming from. Ooh, that's spooky. That's like the thing that I just heard outside. Yeah, Jen's got coyotes outside her house maybe. So they Yeah, I just it was just like this weird like it was more of a yip than like a bark. So like it was definitely not like a dog. Right. It was something else. And coyotes but, you know. do go yip. They're like yip 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 yeah. yip. I live in the country. Yes, you do, country girl. <laughs> so they also come with great speed. It goes on for a long time. It's it's repeated in a way that is unearthly. The volume can be incredible. It's a noise that's closely related to fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds chilling. Yeah. Like, I can't. Right? Just, oh, like, it just sends a shiver down your spine thinking about it. But that's not the only way that it could show up. It could also show up as, a, as the sounds of a mortal woman singing a keening <laughs> song 
which is um, part of a mourning tradition that it could include verses and refrains. And that's more closely related to sorrow or grief to sing a spirit home. Hmm. I was just thinking of throwing out a a very esoteric Lord of the Rings reference and I'm like, you're not going to get it. But for anyone who does, the extended version of The Two Towers, (laughs) there's like a scene where Eowyn's just like singing a funeral song at someone's funeral and that's what this reminds me of but anyway you'd have no idea so yeah great story um, <laughs> we also can't decide what a banshee looks like is she yeah. an old woman is her hair uh we we do agree that she has hair and it's usually loose mm-hmm. but is it dark is it red is it blonde is she a shrouded old woman is she an old uh warped crone is she a young fair virgin mm. it's she these legends bounce all over the place so by and large she is like i said closely related to irish citizens and by and large she is a herald of death but Mm -hmm. there there is more to her than just being a herald of death apparently she also has a comb that she either (laughs) i know i know it's so random but you have to remember what sort of items women would have had in the 1600s that would have been very personal a single comb (laughs) exactly sarah a single comb (laughs) Fun fact about those combs, they weren't necessarily to do your hair in very pretty fashions. Like if we look at women. What are they for, Those are for lice, Jen. Okay. I mean, that could have been a lot weirder, I feel like. It absolutely could have been weirder. (laughs) But no, um, in the 1600s, lice in, in especially, you know, uh, communal areas like cities could be really out of control. So people would have mm. kept combs, not so much to do their hair in intricate ways, <laughs> but, but to pick nits. <laughs> well, not even nits, just push the larger bugs out. <laughs> yeah, enjoy oh, that. God. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this comb factors in occasionally, apparently. So a man steals or finds the comb and keeps it for himself. The mm-hmm. banshee chases him back to his home, where she's she like, dir- "That's my lice comb, you <laughs> jerk! Give me back my lice comb! My head itches." <laughs> we have to stop saying lice also, because I work in got schools. Got lice on it. <laughs> oh my god! Now I have to itch my head. <laughs> I bet like everyone has to itch their head now. Yep. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Every time somebody says lice, I involuntarily itch. But anyway, so he follows her home, and she. She's she follows him home trying to get this comb back and she throws herself against the door, pounding on the windows, sliding down the roof, screaming through the chimney, anything she can to get it back. The only way he can safely (laughs) return this comb to her is by using Uh the iron tongs from the fireplace and handing them out the window. And she grabs it so forcefully. (gasps) She's so strong that she rips up the iron as well and so he only gets that half back and the idea is to oh imagine if you'd handed it out with your hand what damage she would have done to you i'm imagining snowpiercer i love snowpiercer (laughs) if no all right guys if you've never seen snowpiercer fix your lives yeah so anyway (laughs) one of the things the banshees might only follow one family in fact there's a number of families that may have had personal banshees where they follow and uh, herald the death of the patrilineal leaders. For mm. the most part, they don't cry for women who are going to die. Because fuck them. Right. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. But they, 
they shriek or whisper or sing or cry when somebody in the family is going to die. Usually anybody who has the last name O or Mac, who are like somehow more Irish than the Irish, O'Brien, O'Ryan, mm-hmm. O'Toole, that sort of thing. Also Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh's <laughs> the other the <laughs> other name. No, oh, I hope that one's still around. That's indeed. I feel like that's gonna be all of us, like when he dies, but just like y'all like yelps of joy just like more of a cackle than anything else (laughs) yes one of the ways that these um different authors who are discussing banshees were careful to talk about is that this is not a fairy Mm -hmm. so fairies are human appearing they're social they're they have families they have societies and that they have complex and lengthy interactions with humans Whereas banshees have are, are singular. It's very rare that you get a group of banshees unless mm. uh, a, a very great or holy person is going to bite it. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so they were very careful to say, oh, these are not fairies. Um, fairies have complex relationships with humans, whereas banshees usually have a very fast interaction. They're basically just like a human gong. Yeah, to a certain extent, I think. A spooky gong. (laughs) It's a really fucking spooky gong who's real possessive of their hair equipment. Yes. Yeah. So they even follow certain Irish citizens when they die abroad. They, when Irishmen were going off to war or if they were traveling in Italy, we have stories of banshees being heard or seen abroad as well. So not just in Ireland. I'm just imagining like <laughs> Irish man in the trenches of World War One, and his friends like, "Who's that behind you?" And he's just like, "Oh yeah, it's just my banshee." Just okay, like, so Hi. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> he would never have seen her. Okay. The people are the family around the person who's gonna bite it are the ones who can see the banshee. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like if so, Jen, we're yes. basically family. Yeah. If you were gonna bite it. The banshee would come and scream at me and tell, like, effectively hint that someone in my family is going to go as a way to sort of lessen the shock for when you actually do pass. Okay. But you Um. would, if you were standing next to me and I was hearing that screaming or keening, you would Mm. never have perceived it. Uh, Spooky. Yeah. Even spookier, right? Uh Uh-huh. Um, I did read a very interesting article. Quick shout out to Callie. There was a JSTOR article that you could, of course, can only yeah. access if you are in a university or you're willing mm-hmm. to pay out the fucking nose, which yep. I am not. Yep. Callie is a student. And so she sent me what I needed to uh, read this article. And so, Callie, thanks. You rule. <laughs> Teamwork. So this uh, article is, it was written in 1993. It's titled Blow the House Down, Coding the Banshee and Women's Place by Bettina N. Kimpton, which is such a great name. Mm -hmm. So Bettina made some really good points about the way women are viewed and the way banshees exist in Irish society and the way women exist in Irish society. So women women in Irish society have had, I don't know if it's true anymore, but I... Speaking as somebody who's married, it maybe. So women were married into the family. So they were automatically an outsider. But mm-hmm. also they were the source of the continuation and sustenance of the family. So they're absolutely important 
Yeah. And absolutely not to be trusted. So it was a weird. Of, that's like, mm-hmm, like women's place in society for all of time. So yeah, far. <laughs> exactly. And, and speaking as somebody who married into a family, um, it's true. I think I am still like, even though Dan and I have been married six years, I'm still very much an outsider in that household. Mm. And, you know, they appreciate that I am, you know, the source of Dan's future, basically. But also, I am not really one of them. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. has been an interesting dance. And I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. You know, how many television tropes are based off of that kind of awkward relationship of of married family, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So these women had, they were indispensable, but still untrustworthy. It was a huge source of tension and anxiety. And one of the ways that people could relieve that tension and anxiety is to point the finger of fault at women themselves, giving them accusations of witchcraft, creating stories of uncontrollable women who are somehow controlled. And one of the ways that this shows up is using one of my very favorite words, liminal 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 such a great word neither here nor there so Mm -hmm. bettina is talking about the liminal nature of women's work so women deal with liminal events they are birth givers they're midwives uh they also are nurses who help people transition into death they Mm -hmm. sit by your bedside when you're sick and you're not quite sure if you're gonna stay or go so banshees are an intermediary between life and death. They're, they exist to lessen the shock, to bring comfort, and also to restore order. They also, though, have these characteristics of wildness. They have this long, uncovered hair. Their cry is animal-like and wordless. Uh, of course, none of that would have been part of I- a respectable Irish woman's uh, place in society. They might originate from a lamenting woman, who has never found peace again. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about lamenting women, it's not just somebody who's like, oh, that's sad. I'm sad. This is like rending your clothes, ash in the hair, throwing yourself on the grave, really, Mm -hmm. really, really, really feeling it. Mm -hmm. So when women lament like that eventually it's kind of like to clear house like okay sometimes i just need to cry so i put on ps i love you and i cry until i can't feel feelings who whomst among us whomst among us does not indeed yes yes that one i can always count on and uh just the scene where in homeward bound shadow doesn't come over the hill and, (laughs) and peter's like he's too old he was just too old I'll fucking lose it every time. Oh, I cry. I I cry. Yeah. Yeah, man. So so these lamenting women, banshees are said to have originated from a woman who never got to feel peace again. No matter how much she screamed and cried, she could never feel whole again after the loss Mm -hmm. of this loved one. Well, and it's almost like, you know, she's she can't get over her grief. So she's like announcing to other people that it's coming and she's helping them prepare for it exactly so she's kind of being a a marshal of that liminal space something bad is happening that you can't control it's neither good nor bad but we have to get through it Mm -hmm. again liminal space so she she does all the screaming and crying and and mourning but she never gets to come back to the other side of that she could also have started from 
children who died while unbaptized again liminal space Mm, they were born they lived but they weren't formally recognized by the catholic church or therefore they don't (laughs) right so they're not real yeah maybe it's for the best oh oh no oh no oh no no. (laughs) speaking of going to hell (laughs) they might also be a family member's soul that's in purgatory so purgatory Mm -hmm. kind of the ultimate liminal space neither heaven nor hell nor earth nor other world purgatory it's it's all liminal and banshees represent all of it the cries even come at liminal times. For example, Jen, is midnight the end of a day or the beginning of one? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of in the middle, isn't yeah. it? It's neither. Yeah. It's it's both coming and going. Or the time between, you would hear the, a cry of a banshee between the setting of the sun and the rising of the stars. Ooh. So sort of that like end of day, beginning of night period. Mm-hmm. The cry is heard at a window often. Uh, Don't like that. Those tongs going through a window. So a door, you know, a door is an entry and an exit. There's there's something you can do with a door. But at Mm -hmm. a window, is the person just outside? Are they coming in? What do they want? We're not Mm -hmm. sure. It's a liminal space. Uh Um, One of the things that we do have is um, that banshees apparently have a very powerful grip. And I do have a story here. All right, so this one is the five-fingered, I'm sorry, the imprint of the Banshee's five fingers. Thomas Hart's uncle was coming home late when, upon coming near his home, he didn't see a woman. Nope, that's the backwards of that sentence. I was going to say, like, all (laughs) righty, that's me generally. And he got home safely and nothing ever mattered. I Um, did not see a woman. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) And I don't know what this bruise is about. No, it says, uh, when he was coming in near his home, didn't he see a woman? He thought that it was a neighboring woman. He oh, he went over to her and he clapped his hand upon her shoulder. The very minute Uh-oh. that he did, she raised her hand and caught him by the crown mm. of his head. Oh, my lift- God. And lifted him clear up off the road. Jesus. She hit him down against the ground again, but she did not kill him. He got a terrible fright. And may God bless and save us all. When he got up in the morning, the print of her five fingers was on top of his head, and his hair had turned as white as snow. Jesus. Yeah, so she's a terrible... That'll teach you to not grab a woman. (laughs) That'll teach you to grab people. Yes, exactly. Me too, man. As much as she's, you know, she's this creature of liminal space, and she's decidedly female, she has a great deal of power that mm-hmm. perhaps your normal woman wouldn't have had. And so when we're looking at these these stories, I have another one here. We hear about banshees being out alone at night, whereas normal Irish women would not. We hear about banshees on the road or traveling abroad on the moors. Normal Irish woman would not. Mm-hmm. Is she threatening or is she an expression of women's own desires? She defends herself. She walks alone freely. She has the audacity to wear her hair uncovered. And it's possible that these banshee stories are encoding feminist ideas. So when when men hear the stories of a banshee, remember he stole this comb and Mm -hmm. this woman berated him until he gave it back and she wrenched apart his tools. Um, So men hear it and they laugh for the hero who bests the banshee. 
Mm-hmm. Women hear it and they hear about a strong woman who they can hear with respect. Yeah. They're like, don't fucking take my calm. Right. Fucking learn a lesson. Bitch. Uh, <laughs> men tell the story to talk about controlling deviant women, besting the banshee. Women tell these stories uh, possibly as an expression of power. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of value to thinking about folklore in that way. That one of my favorite classes at Grand Valley was a study of world cultures based on the stories that they tell children. Wow, that's really cool. It was super badass. Barbara Schneider mm-hmm. was my professor, and she was the tits. I was a big fan. But so talking about you know what women want and and why different groups would tell these stories, it could be encoded desire of a woman being able to act however the fuck she wants and being able to Mm -hmm. defend herself against men and against society. I do have another story here. This one is, it's a Galway version of the comb legend. And this is a quote uh, from part of the story. So there was an old man of the Reagans, Reagan being the last name, who lived here in Killeen a good many years ago. He made over towards Karakan, sorry, Ireland, I don't know if I'm saying that right, C-A-R-R-A-C-H-A-N. There was a stream running down the side, and he didn't hear the beetling going on. He made over across to where he heard the beetling, and sure enough, he saw her there, she having a beetle in one hand and a lovely rack, comb, it's, oh. it means comb in the other. <laughs> he stepped I mean, in- maybe it was also nice. Right. Well, and I'm sure at some point in time, the double entendre was appreciated. Yeah. Uh, He stepped lightly in behind her and snapped the rack out of her hand and made one leap for the other bank and away with him home. Away with her... uh, I'm sorry, away with the rack um, and the banshee followed him and every scream was worse than the other. She caught the beetle that was in her her hand and flung it after him. And I suppose twas God that saved him. Reagan was just landed inside his own door when the beetle struck the gable end and shook the house from head to bottom. He bolted the door and secured it from the inside. They were all sitting down within at home and wasn't the heart put across them when they heard the scream outside the door. She told them in Irish to put out the comb to her or that she'd knock the house down. Reagan rose and took the spade he left with the rack on top of the spade and pushed it under the door to her. She caught it and brought the comb and half the spade with her. Again, that vicious grip. (laughs) Yeah. When they pulled the spade in again, wasn't half of it gone. Next morning, when they got up and went outside, they didn't find the gable end of the house, but split in two even halves from thatch to the ground. And any day you go over to see Reagan's, you could see the gable split end in two halves, and that's how it happened. And that story is from... Uh, collected from Lysop. So, again, a woman of incredible strength who's sick of men fucking stealing her shit. Yeah. So I think there's really something to be said there for women and men hearing that story differently. And that there is a feminist view that you can give to the Banshee. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of um, elements of that that kind of ring um, similar to the story that I found, both in like what this creature slash 
ghost does and also just like the gender connotations of it so i found this really cool article published broadly i think it's part of vice yeah yeah and it's by nisa creams and it's great the title is yeah yeah southeast asia's vengeful man-eating spirit is a feminist icon love it yeah and it starts with basically my favorite sentence in southeast asia legend has it that a man out alone at night must never look directly at a beautiful woman because she might be a ghost that rips his guts out i love it (laughs) so this is part of folklore of general southeast asia it's part of Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore. Um, It goes by different names depending on the country you're in or the region. So it's, the article refers to it as the Pontianak, and it is, or it's also a Kuntilianak, Kuntilianak, sorry. Hmm. Kuntilianak. The Kuntilianak. That can't be an accident. With a K. Oh. That's Still. in Indonesia, <laughs> a Churel in Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan. So this is just like kind of, I think, similar to the Banshee is just like this is a part of folklore um, and also like still a part of modern folklore and superstition. So this, the Pontianak is a pregnant woman who dies in childbirth as a result of male-inflicted violence mm. who turns into a vengeful ghost. So she is known to wear a long white dress with long dark hair that is down around her, um, not, you know, not up. Right. So basically like the girl from the ring. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. She, I think, is usually young and beautiful. She walks around and she seduces men before using her dagger-like nails to tear open their stomachs and devour their organs. Holy shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that is so fuck fucking metal. With this. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, like, I, I say that it's still a part of modern superstition because apparently it is still a thing where mothers and grandmothers will tell their, their daughters and grandchildren, like, you can't walk around with your hair down like you have to have it up you have to have it done or else people will think that you're a pontianak so like it's i mean it's still like there's a lot of like deep superstitions present in a lot of different cultures around the world so that's wow yeah this is one of them so she's often Portrayed as a social outcast who has fallen in some way, usually as a failure in her duties as a mother. It doesn't really get into a lot of specifics. I think it's just kind of like generally like not caring for your children or leaving them abandoned somewhere. Right. Um, abandoning your family and your husband and your you know kids. Once again, is, patrolling women. Yes, yes, yes. It's very, very much policing women and their roles in relation to men and the patriarchy. But she is pretty empowered, um, despite, like, you know, the patriarchy. There's a filmmaker from, I forget which country it is. It's either Indonesia or Singapore. Amanda Nell Yu, EU, says she can walk alone and not have to be accompanied by a man. She can be as beautiful and provocative as she wants. She can be extremely gentle or a massive flirt. But if you dare touch her without her consent, her claws will come out. Which echoes a lot of what you were saying about the Yes. Banshee. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, okay. 
I will also say that when a lot of cultures share ideas between folklore, mm-hmm. it gives more credence that something's going on. Like, yes. one of the reasons I believe in ghosts is that every culture throughout time has a ghost story. Exactly. Yeah, you know? it's, it's this weird cultural echo that's happening, like, across the world. And, like, dating back to a time before global, like, trade and communication. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how these legends have developed in such close, like, they mirror each other so closely, but yet they you know, developed over how many thousands of miles geographically. Right. So it's really interesting. So you made a short film that premiered in 2017. It's called It's Easier to Raise Cattle. (laughs) And it depicts a female friendship between two country girls, one of whom is a Pontianak. And throughout the course of the film, they, the one friend finds out about her friend's, you know, identity and, and instead of that driving them apart, it actually brings them together and their friendship lasts beyond like finding out that, you know, her friend is a nocturnal murderous ghost. I love that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. So can I make go... a connection to another film? Of course. It, there is a film that is I'm going to go with Swedish, but I it's mm-hmm. it's something Nordic to Germanic somewhere in there. It's called Let Me In. The American version is called Let the Right One In. That sucks ass, don't bother. But the Mm. original foreign language, well, it's their language, it's foreign to us, film is is truly fantastic. And it's about a vampire who looks like a child and a child and and the friendship that that they create. And it it shares some some stuff there. Hmm. It's a particularly good film. Yeah, it reminded me of another film that came out fairly recently. I think it's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And I think it's an Iranian horror film about like a girl who is a vampire. And she's just like, I haven't seen it. So I don't know exactly. But it has a lot of themes of like empowerment to just like be a woman walking around alone at night and not be afraid of men. (laughs) Like, this is a thing. It's well, absolutely. Jen, do would you Jen if you were sporty and like mm-hmm. a runner person, would you run at night? Um, I have run at night a lot in the past. Yeah, there's just was a time when I was running. I do enjoy it on occasion. I'm just busy and live in the country right now. Right. Um, but <laughs> when I was living in Grand Rapids, I actually went running a lot at night. Hmm. And it's a little bit because I'm foolhardy, like I'm sure there's a lot of friends and family who would be mortified to learn this, but I don't know. I just felt like safe-ish in my neighborhoods. Well, and Grand Rapids was, is a fairly safe place. Yeah, I was running along well-lit roads, like right. through populous and areas. The idea that first off, white English-speaking women are going to get readily kidnapped is stupid. It, that's just not who gets kidnapped often. Yeah. And if you're going to get raped, it's probably going to be somebody you already know who has access to you when you're not running. Like the idea yeah. of a rapist being somebody who pulls you into the bushes and is a stranger mm-hmm. is almost unheard of in terms of statistics. But there yeah. is this thing. I don't I don't fuck around a whole lot. Now, okay, I also don't go outside full stop. But, <laughs> you know, if I'm out at night, I'm usually a lot more cautious. I'm very aware of my surroundings. Like if mm-hmm. I'm leaving, for example, I used to work at the mall, 
leaving from through the parking lots that liminal space i would have my head would be on a swivel i would be very aware of who was in cars who was by my car and like i'm effectively kidnap proof like (laughs) unless you have a forklift and you're gonna forklift me into a van there's not like i can just sit down there's very little you can do to me (laughs) so you know, it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's totally ingrained in me as like a woman yeah. that I should be afraid, even though again, yeah. I'm basically She-Hulk and I'm, I'm just constantly aware. Yeah. I mean, I am a bit more portable, but I also, I developed very consciously like an aura when I walk around in public alone of don't talk to me. <laughs> and God, I, I wish I had that. I am very approachable. Oh, no. Like, I am usually wearing headphones. I'm usually walking very fast and uh, purposefully. And it's just, like, that usually helps. Of course, I have, you know, everyone has stories of being street harassed. Well, right, (laughs) females. But, yeah, it's just, like, this is, in case you didn't know, this is something that women have to deal with all the time. And I don't know if you're a good dude, like, thank you for being a good dude. Something that you can do to make women feel less nervous when you're walking around at night is like, don't follow them directly, like cross the other side of the street and just like make it known that you're not a threat (laughs) and like, it's fine. Did I ever Um, tell you about Dan in in the early days of us dating? We were going to his apartment and we mm -hmm. were following behind somebody who was in a car ahead of us. And you kind of had to, like, make many turns to get to our apartment. Yeah. Um, And so this woman would turn, and then we'd turn behind her, and so on and so forth. Mm, And finally, mm. Dan pulled into a parking lot that wasn't ours. Yes. Because he was so worried about scaring the person in the car ahead of us that we were, like, following them. (laughs) He never wanted to make her feel uncomfortable. And I appreciate that he's so aware, you know, making other people uncomfortable just because, you know, he's Mm. a man who exists in society. He won't raise his voice because he knows that a lot of women have a very real fear response to men screaming. Mm -hmm. Right. And you might think, like, oh, like, who's going to be threatened by me? But, like, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, you have no idea, like. The kind of response. Right. Yeah. So sorry to bring this down a little bit, but like, it is a thing that people should be aware of. And if you're a, if you're a guy, like, I assume if if you're a guy listening to our show that you are cool. Um, Yeah. So like, kudos to being an ally. And this is like things that you should keep in mind. And this, you know, some tips to like continue being cool. So anyway. Oh, another interesting thing about the like physical description of the Pontianak was that she is usually associated with, like when she's being seductive, she is said to have a scent, like a floral scent, which is specifically frangipani. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I, it's some type of flower native to that region. But if she turns and is about to kill you her smell changes to that of a corpse oh Um, yeah (laughs) so that's fun another feminist theorist barbara creed says that her fearsomeness is linked to her femininity a concept that she calls the monstrous feminine so oh i love that yeah the monstrous feminine yeah um (sighs) 
I know. This is. I was reading this and I was like, fuck, yes. That's exactly <laughs> how I want to be remembered. Yeah. There's a there's an author from Singapore, Charlene Tao. T-E-O. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce that. She wrote a novel. I think it's like a younger adult novel. It's based on this myth. Um, it's called Ponty. And it's a story... Well, actually, no, I don't think it's a young adult novel. Um, it's a story about how three Singaporean women, their lives are become intertwined through this myth. And I think one of them, one of the characters is playing the Pontianak in like a B horror movie that's being produced. So like that's, you know, a yeah. book recommendation. Yeah. The nature of the Pontianak creates a counterpoint to the real life experiences of women in patriarchal society. One of the quotes was that she's writing the injustices within a traditional society that has many constraints for women. Like this is, I mean, it's what we've been talking about. It's kind of like, like the Banshee is like screaming in grief. This is more just like raging because of the injustices that she's faced in her life, which I think is, it's empowering to a certain extent. Although the, the article pointed out that the Pontianak is only given permission to be violent and to be out in the world alone and to be unapologetically seductive because she herself is the victim of violence. She's already dead. So this kind of agency is not given to alive women, you know? A very girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. And I like this is not me passing judgment on that particular culture. Like this is mm, not this all. is something that is present throughout the world like this is just what we have to deal with where it's like when you know women who are in polite society have to you know obey all these rules but when they start acting out and they start embracing their rage and their frustration that's when they become monstrous that's when they're labeled witches that's when they you know are killed and they become vengeful ghosts so it's yeah it's definitely like it's empowering to an extent (laughs) so but overall i think a lot of at least a lot of the quoted feminists and um, artists in that article see the pontianak as an ultimately empowering creature person specter i guess um the filmmaker you um wants to portray these spirits as a badass freaky woman who shouldn't be feared or pushed away, but instead adored. And I think that's really awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to like dive deep into this. Just um, roll I also, around in it. Yes. Uh, I found an article on Bitch Media. Fun. <laughs> I took a deep dive into ghosts and feminism. But I think it really kind of sums up everything that we've been talking about um and it also brings in a couple more references so it's it's a couple paragraphs you can but uh-huh. i'm just gonna go ahead and read it this so the article is called the feminist power of female ghosts and it's by andy zeisler again from bitch media and she writes when you can pause for a moment between waves of stomach churning heebie-jeebies you realize that not only are these women sympathetic characters but they're all the more terrifying because they have every bit of anger that makes living women sources of fear but none of the societal restriction in this way ghost stories are often proto-feminist tales of women who if only in death subvert assumptions of and traditions of women as dutiful wives and mothers, worshipful girlfriends or obedient children by unleashing a lifetime's worth of rage and retribution. In the feminist horror zine um, Axe Wound, Colleen Wagland theorizes that 
The Asian female ghost is an inherently feminist figure whose every presence is a symbol of how deeply men fear female power. Their vengeance isn't necessarily aimed at the person who wronged them, and as such, it's unthinking and randomly destructive as systems of patriarchy. And yet, even as ghosts, such women are often anxiously managed by the gendered rules of the societies they've departed. Traditional Korean folklore features stories of women who die before being married and having children and thus cannot pass peacefully into death, but will linger around to haunt their family, a problem that is often resolved by the phenomenon of posthumous marriage. We've I was about, about to say, before. yeah, yep. <laughs> we talked about that one. Yeah, there's a Chinese tradition of stories involving female ghosts who can be resurrected by having sex with the living man. And American ghost stories and folktales are chock full of greedy, vain female spirits, like the conjuring Bathsheba, who feed on the youth and beauty that they cannot accept is no longer theirs. Indeed, elderly female ghosts are, in movies at least, portrayed by the most abject horror. In The Shining, when they're when the sexy nude woman who appears to Jack Nicholson's character turns into a withered crone before his eyes, it's particularly horrific. And it's no coincidence that the craggy, bitter curse caster in Drag Me to Hell is a wrinkled wraith whose target is a fresh, young bank employee. Dude, fuck that movie. Yeah. um, That, that, yeah. So it's, there's just a lot going on of like, these stories can be, empowering because they're like getting theirs but it's also like it's still part of a system that's in place to keep women where they are right they're (laughs) still they're raging they're raging and they're raging against the machine but Mm -hmm. the against part means they'll never be free they're still part of the machine yeah literally tied to it yeah dude what a fucking bummer all right Uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I was was like, oh, this is going south. All right. We got to read a listener story. We got to find a good one. Uh, So this email comes from Nick in Nova Scotia. And the title or the subject is Doppelgangers, Curses, and Cats. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Can't wait. So Doppelgangers, right, is fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) I work at a warehouse. Or I did, depending on when you read this. I'm moving in July. So bye-bye, bad capitalist job. Now, despite the fact that this warehouse has been there for a while, and in the three years I've worked there, a few people have died in the store. Holy shit. What? What the hell kind of shit is going on in your store? Yeah. There doesn't really seem to be any spooks out and about. Well, that's good, I guess. (laughs) I'm still concerned about the people dying. Yeah. Might be we've never noticed because of how loud and busy the place is. But then again, we have the doppelgangers. What? What Um, are the doppelgangers? I'm very intrigued. I don't know what they are exactly or how long they've been there, but every day, multiple times a day, I see people walk down a busy aisle, and then I see them go by two or three times within minutes of each other, all heading the same direction, and each time wearing different clothes. I say I don't know how long it's been going on because they've recently relaxed our everyday dress code. So we don't all have to wear plain black shirts all the time. I've mentioned this happening to my coworkers, including Lou, who has worked there for 24 years. Everyone has seen them too, but we just quietly thought we were going crazy. When we speculate, our theories are thus hallucination, mass hallucination, time slipped, or I don't know, ghost maybe? <laughs> Glitch in the matrix. Yes. Uh, it's fucking weird, but for the most part, it seems harmless. 
<laughs> she continues. And I should probably mention the curse. The week I first started there, a meeting was called because a former employee who, whom I've never met was threatening and harassing the managers and supervisors on Facebook. What? <laughs> Typical. Typical. <laughs> Including, apparently, putting a curse on the place and the management. Magnificent. That's great. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> um... um it reminds me, the curse, it reminds me of the Native American guy in Perks and Rec. Oh, What's oh, his name? Uh, uh, Chief Ken Hotate. Oh my God, yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. That was like the best episode. That was Harvest such, Festival. the Harvest Festival. That's such a great season. I <sighs> love Perks and Rec. Season three, man. That was yeah. Just, yes. It's my anyway, favorite one. Where were we? I'm going to put a curse on you. Don't put a curse on me, please. I have enough going on. I'm not going to do that. I don't know any specifics. The meeting itself was basically, don't talk to her. Oh, (laughs) this is a woman. Okay. Right. And uh, her her, her magic doesn't exist and is stupid. Oh, my Uh, God. Isn't that so crazy? The fact that that we give curses even like, oh, somebody cursed this. Even just a scotch of attention. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like all the women, all the all the Wiccans getting together to curse uh, Kavanaugh. Oh and then God. like all the Baptists got together to pray to counteract the curse. Like it's just. Well, it just like shows you how deeply superstitious we still are yes. to this day. How much faith we still put in magic. And like, oh, my God. You, you know that I was a practitioner for a while. So mm-hmm. it's not like I have a leg to stand on here. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway. Uh, um, where were we? <laughs> before Ken Hotate? Yeah. So um, since then, though, we've gone through 20 supervisors, three Holy store shit. managers, and two district managers. Jesus Wait. Christ. Holy turnover, Batman. Yeah, man. Uh, that is some defense against the dark arts level turnover. For real. Our store has had a 180% turnaround and no one knows what they're doing anymore. We've had two customers die on the property. <laughs> An employee of cancer plus one of the aforementioned DMs suffered a heart attack and died at the age of 28. <gasps> That's Holy sad. shit. Wait, I feel like I, I feel like they wrote in about that before. Didn't we have somebody who had a a story yes, about somebody different... dying particularly yeah. young from a heart attack? One of our yes. other listener stories? So I maybe do that remember was the last that. one. It was a different... It was like in a house or something. Oh, but okay. Yeah. I remember. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I just feel like maybe there's something to this curse. Yeah. Lou just says it's been an eventful few years. I mean... That's true. It has. It's, but also, that's a lot. There's reasons. That's yeah. quite a lot to be going on. And then, um, and now, unfortunately, I have some sad news. My cat ladybug passed away two years ago oh. in April. Sad. I can't think too hard about cats dying. Um, yeah, no. She was a few months short of 18, which is Ooh. a good long life. She um, lived a good long life. And unfortunately, it was expected. I buried her in my dad's backyard under the cherry tree. What wasn't expected, however, was waking up in the middle of the night and seeing and feeling her curled up by my feet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cats visit. Orion yeah. visits all the time. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like I feel phantom already walking around my bed all the time, but like seeing 
cat is. Sure. That is a lot. Yeah. I initially chalked it up to a good dream, but it kept happening on and off for about a month before I brought it up with my with my ma. She said she had also found Ladybug at the foot of her bed at night. Mm-hmm. I can only explain it as she wasn't ready to leave us on her own just yet. And sometimes I still wake up at night to her purring. Oh, no. Oh. Okay, I'm just going to take a minute. Oh, my God. Are you actually crying? Of course I am, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> also, I love the name Ladybug. Yeah, that is really precious. Oh, oh. sweet ladybug. Yeah, no, cats cats visit, mm-hmm. man. Orion visits. Okay. I haven't seen Chessie, but she was of Satan, so... Yeah. And she was my sister's cat anyway, so she would not be visiting me. Mm-hmm. But Orion definitely does. And uh, yeah. my sister thinks it's crazy, because I told you guys I kind of want to go steal my cat's bones. And she no. was like, I can't believe you admitted that. And I was like, listen, if the podcast is not a safe space... Yeah, Ain't nothing a safe space. Where else can you talk about wanting to steal your cat's bones? Seriously, I might here. fucking do it, guys. Um, yeah, so wow, okay, well, R.I.P. Ladybug. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad she still visits from time to time. Mm-hmm. But, mm, meatloaf's not allowed mm-hmm. to die. Yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just no way. Yeah. All right, um, is there, okay. we should wrap up or... Okay, so the sign-off saints, stay spooky, stay gold, verbal Nick in Nova Scotia. You guys are the best. Thank you uh, for writing in. Yes. I got to finish drying my eyes. Hang on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, any any dead pet, I will cry instantly. <laughs> yeah. I will cry absolutely instantly. Like, there is, there is no middle ground for me. <laughs> But anyway, okay. I, so. I do care. I just don't, you know. Well, like I am Sharon's daughter, and damn if I'm not a soft touch. Mm. So, but this is also, Jen, me being very accessible to my emotions is why I don't have to scream into the void. Okay, well, there you go. You should give it a try. I'm just saying. I should. <laughs> Someday. Someday. I just won't be the void. Rage. <laughs> Oh, my ass well, hurts. Yes, let's let's wrap let's this. Let's wrap one this up. shit up. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to find us online, we're on Twitter.com as at haunted underscore pod. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram at uh, this podcast is haunted. Where you can also find our discussion group on Facebook. It's this podcast is haunted discussion group i think do it join it pretty much the greatest people on the internet you know you have to answer our questions just to prove prove to me you're not a robot right Um, (laughs) (laughs) nice nice john mulaney impression (laughs) thank you thank you um and if you have a spooky story that you would like us to read you can send it to this podcast is haunted at gmail.com yes so there it is Uh, you guys are the best yeah man well, we'll see you in a fortnight, which I th- think will be actual Thanksgiving. So I think this yeah. is a little premature in our happy Thanksgiving early Thanksgiving, time, guys. But... Enjoy eating all of your favorite foods and mm-hmm. enjoying either your blood family or your married family or your non family or just your or fucking your self family Friendsgivings... or your potato family. <laughs> Friendsgivings are a beautiful, beautiful thing. They um, are. 
So yeah, not everyone has a family to go to. Um, so you know what? Find your people. Find your people. And yeah. All right. Well, that's nice. Yeah. <sighs> All right. On that lovely note, stay spooky, motherfuckers. Peace yeah. out. <laughs>